Welcome to Radiant Life. My name is Josh, one of the pastors here on staff. Glad you'd be with us. Uh, I have the opportunity to wrap up our series, Reaching Out, Go and Make Disciples. And over the course of this series, you've heard us talk about finding your one. Your one. And we've, we've pointed you to this wall over here with a, a variety of colored ping pong balls. Right? And it's this idea that, that we are called to go and make disciples. It's in the title, right? And, and we wanted uh, to give you something tangible uh, for this, right? So we have this wall over here, and uh, I'm going to show you this, this uh, little diagram. But your one is a person in your life that does not know Jesus. This is somebody that does not have a relationship with Jesus, but they are in your sphere of influence, And so we're asking you, uh, Pastor Ryan talked in the first week about beginning with prayer to ask God, Lord, who is that one person that you want me to invest in, that you want me to engage in conversation about Jesus? And so over here on this wall, we have a bucket of white ping pong balls, right? And we we asked you to, to pray about that person and then write their name on that white ping pong ball and drop it into that first compartment. But then over time, it's our hope and our prayer that you will have opportunities to share Jesus with this one person. And as you do that, then you come over here and you drop a green ping pong ball into that compartment. And then furthermore, it's our hope and prayer that we see all of these people come into a relationship with God through Jesus. And when that happens, We want to celebrate and have you throw a a blue ping pong ball into that last compartment. Pastor Ryan has talked about how blue is God's favorite color and not just because he's a Michigan fan, but you have to, you have to read some scripture. It's in there. He's not making it up, but we wanted to give you this, this tool to have tangible reminders of the people in our lives that do not have a relationship with Jesus. And kind of our, our home base for this series in scripture has been in the book of Matthew. Jesus has a conversation with his disciples and by extension, us. And in part of this conversation, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He says the harvest is plentiful. There are people waiting to come into a relationship with God. But we need people to go and walk alongside them to help bring them into the kingdom. And if you will allow me some liberty with scripture, I would suggest to you that the the premise of this series is, is changing the conversation slightly. And if you're in the room and you're a follower of Jesus, you could read this passage like this. He said to his disciples, all of you followers of Jesus in the room today, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are you. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send you into his harvest field. And as Pastor Ryan mentioned, we have this tool, this acronym, BLESS. This is a a practical way for you to take Jesus to your one. 
Week one, he talked about beginning in prayer, right? Asking Holy Spirit to, to show you this person, asking Holy Spirit to start to give you a weight for this person. This is, this is no simple thing. Because ideally, you will start to feel the weight of eternity on behalf of your one. And what their eternity looks like if they don't come into a relationship with Jesus. So you begin in prayer. And then last week, Pastor Brandon talked about listening with care, carving out space for you to just sit down with your one. Give them space to share their story. What's their life like? What's been their experience with church, with God, you know, all of those different things. But you're carving out space for them to do that. And he also talked about eating together, right? And he talked about the significance uh, of eating together in Scripture, right? If you missed uh, the first couple of weeks, I want to encourage you to go to the radiantlife.church and you can uh, just go to our media page and catch up on those two services. You can watch the video on YouTube or Facebook. Right, they talked about those things over the last couple of weeks. And today we're going to wrap this series up talking about serving in love and sharing your story. I love that the songs that we sang this morning leading up into this time were battle songs. Right? And, and, and Pastor JB, you know, he talked about that. Right? This idea of praise as a weapon. Right? And, and we sang these songs and it's, it's got this battle theme. What we're doing, this whole idea of reaching out, of making disciples, this is an act of war. Right? There is, there is a, an enemy of our souls. Scripture calls him the prince of this world. And we seek to go and take territory from him. To take territory, to take souls from the devil and bring them into God's kingdom. French theologian and reformer John Calvin said, we must make the invisible kingdom visible in our midst. As followers of Jesus, we have the opportunity to create these pockets that reflect God's kingdom here on earth. And part of that is kingdom expansion. And how do most kingdoms expand? Through war. Now, this is a spiritual war, right? Paul tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle that we are engaged in. And as we go and we pursue people that don't have a relationship with Jesus, that is an act of war against our enemy. We are called to go and reach the lost, to bring them into the kingdom of God, to help introduce them to Jesus bring them into his kingdom. And the first thing that we're going to talk about today, I love it's, it's all of this tool has been practical, but this is a very tangible way to show people the love of Jesus. When we talk about serving in love for our purposes today, we're just going to define serve as to meet a practical need for or with your one. And we're not going to spend a lot of time kind of talking, well, hey, you could do this, or you could do this, or you could do this. The list could be endless. What we want you to do is contextualize serving, right, meeting practical needs into this chart, right? Week one, Pastor Ryan uh, brought this tool out, right? And, he's, and we talked about where you live, work, play, and we added or learn, right? If this yellow house is where you live, right, these are the houses around you, the people that live in your neighborhood, 
If you have an office or a cubicle at work, or you're stationed on the, on the line at the trailer factory, whatever that, like, these are the people that work around you. If you're on a team or you're involved in some sort of a hobby where you play, these are the people that are involved in that with you. If you're here and you're a student, this yellow square represents your desk. Who are the people that sit around you in the classroom? These are the people that we should focus on to identify our one. Where we live, work, play, or learn. And now once you identify that person, then it's easier to identify ways to serve these people. Again, I want to I challenge you to put some thought into this. A couple of very quick examples, right? If this is where you live and this is in your neighborhood, maybe it's helping a neighbor with yard work. Maybe it's lending them a cup of sugar. Maybe it could be anything. You identify a need that they have and you seek to meet that need. Or we could also serve with them. Maybe your one has a cause or an organization that they have a passion for. And you come alongside them to serve. This is meeting a practical need with or for your one. So I'm going to let you do the work of figuring out what that is. I want to talk about three things that you need to serve. Three things that you need. The first thing is this. To serve, you need proximity. This is why when we talk about your one, we say this, this should be a person who is local. This shouldn't be your great uncle Gary who lives across the country or your cousin that you see two times a year. This should be somebody local, somebody that you can actually have proximity to. It's really hard to identify or meet needs if you're not around the person. This gives you the opportunity to do both, <clears throat> to actually be able to figure out, oh, hey, this is a need that my one has, and then to be able to step in and meet it. But proximity by itself isn't enough. You also have to have availability. I could be in proximity to somebody and say, hey, I'm able to identify a need. But if I don't have any margin in my schedule to actually, hey, I'm going to take time. I'm going to go out. I'm going to help name power, like mow some lawns, right? If I don't have any margin in my schedule for that, it doesn't actually make a difference. So you need proximity. You need to be close enough to ID and meet the needs, but you need availability so that you actually have time to do it. And I believe that these two things are easier if we can get a handle on the third thing. And the third thing is humility. Humility. You can't get away from this theme throughout Scripture. We are called to be humble Humility, again, you could take this a lot of different directions, right? But humility, Paul talks about this in, in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Humility isn't bringing yourself down. It's not saying, oh, well, I'm just like a terrible dirtbag. I'm this, that, and the other thing, right? It's not, it's not demeaning yourself. It's elevating the other person. And if you approach your one in humility to where you say, hey, I want to I engage this person as though they are on a higher level than me. I think it's easier to carve out time to be around them. It's easier to carve out margin in our schedules to actually meet the need because we've taken them and we've elevated them. 
Does that make sense? So we need proximity, we need availability, and we need humility. Jesus gave us a crystal clear example of the heart that we should have. We're going into Holy Week, right, as we approach Good Friday and Easter. And at his last meal with his disciples, Jesus did something that blew his disciples' hair back. At the meal, Jesus, at one point, Jesus takes a towel and he puts it around his waist and he proceeds to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, in this culture, people weren't wearing boots and tennis shoes, right? You're, you're going barefoot or you're wearing sandals. And it's dirty, it's dusty. Your feet were nasty. And this was typically a job done by a servant pretty low on the totem pole. But Jesus says, hey, no, here's, here's this thing that I'm going to do. And he tells his disciples, here is, I've, I've washed your feet. You must also go and wash one another's feet. Jesus, the son of God, says, I'm going to take the, the posture and position of a servant. In other conversations with his disciples, he says, hey, if you want to be great, you have to become a servant to all. Jesus set the example of humble service, and we are called to emulate that model. So to serve, we have to lean in and take a posture of humility. Your homework for this part of the bless tool is this. I encourage you to spend some time in prayer and say, Lord, cultivate within me a spirit of humility towards my one, a heart of humility towards this person I want to reach for you. And let him start to work that within you. That is serving in love, meeting that practical need, but starting from a place of humility. And now maybe this, this is all right. You're like, oh, sweet. Yeah, hey, I could serve people all day long. Some of you have the spiritual gift of service, and this is right up your alley, and you're excited. You're like, yeah. But I think one of the dangers is that we, we stop there, or we, we default to what might be called lifestyle evangelism. And lifestyle evangelism has merit. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, actually writes quite a bit that seems to indicate that lifestyle evangelism is, is a good thing. Your life should look different than the lives of the people around you. But the danger is we, we put all of our, all of our stock in that. that. Oh, hey, my life is going to look different. And then people are going to come and they're asking, man, why is your life so different? Well, it's because of Jesus. Let me tell you. And we're, and we're just sitting there and our posture is one of just waiting for people to come to me so that I can share with them about Jesus. But Jesus said the, the, the harvest is plentiful. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into the harvest field. It doesn't say the harvest is plentiful. So just hang back and that harvest is going to just like waft on over to you in the breeze. And then when it does, grab it real quick. As we're sent, Paul challenges us in Romans chapter 10. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him 
unless someone tells them. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? We have the message of hope and life and healing in a broken world. It's not enough to sit back and say, oh, like, I hope somebody asks me about the way that I'm living my life. We are called to go and bring the message. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go and make disciples. And if you've been through Next Steps, right, Pastor Brandon and Chris Kidd and Christine, that team, like, they, they talk about this. That is a military command. It isn't a suggestion. Go and make disciples. So rather than sit back and be content, oh, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to serve them. I'm just going to keep serving them in love, serving them and do that. But don't stay there. At some point, we want to actually share Jesus with them. And in this blessed method, we, we use the, the term share your story. Just sharing your story. But as we, as we use that phrase, share your story, maybe, maybe you, you have some objections that, that rise up within you. And I want to I deal with just a couple of those here this morning in this conversation. And I want to let you know that, that you can share your story even if you lack eloquence. What do I mean by that? Maybe you're sitting here and I would, I would bet cash money that if, that if we were all honest and, and raised hands, there are some people in the room today that would say, well, I can't, you know, before I share about Jesus, I need to learn a little bit more about the Bible. Or, you know, I really have to kind of nail down some of my theology. Or, ooh, I don't want to share my story because what if they have, what if they have questions and I don't have an answer to those questions and, and then I'll feel stupid and maybe then they're not going to believe in Jesus because I don't know really the answer to their questions. I, I bet you there are a handful of people in the room at least that that would be your kind of your posture here in this place. So you say, hey, once I become a better communicator, once I learn a little bit more about the Bible, once, you know, I, I really get down the vocabulary, once those things happen, then I'll, I'll be more than happy to share my story and to, to talk to people about Jesus. But you can share your story even if you lack eloquence. Acts chapter 4 gives us a peek of this. So Jesus has, has left the earth. Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost. The 12 disciples, they preached 3,000 people get saved. They come into a relationship with Jesus. After that, the disciples go out and, and every day they're in the temple courts preaching about Jesus, telling people about Jesus, sharing their story, their experience with Jesus with other people. And one day, Peter and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples, are doing this and they get arrested. And they're dragged before this council, this, this group of religious leaders. And the religious leaders are ticked and they're like, hey, you guys, you guys can't be talking about that. And they're like, Man, we, we saw what Jesus did, and Jesus told us to do this, so we're going to keep on plugging away. The members of the council, these religious leaders, they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were what kind of men? Ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. 
They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. These were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And they were in front of a group of people that had boatloads of special training in the scriptures who were public figures, not ordinary men. And these religious leaders were blown away because of the boldness that Peter and John had. Ordinary men, no special training in the scriptures. Yet they preached Jesus with boldness. How did they do that? Rewind what happened in Acts chapter 2. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit showed up. I love this quote from Dave and John Ferguson in their book, Bless. You will not have all the answers to people's most challenging questions. Sit in that for a second. Let go of the idea that you need to have all of the answers because you will not have all of the answers because you don't know what the questions are going to be. You will not have all the answers to people's most challenging questions, but what you do have is better. You have the spirit of God, the same spirit who showed up at Pentecost and powerfully worked to save 3000 people in one setting. You have that within you if you are a follower of Jesus here today. And that same power is what will enable you to share your story with boldness to the people that need to hear it. So even if you lack eloquence, you don't have all the answers, you don't know all the right Bible verses, you can share your story. For our purposes today, we're going we're gonna to use these three criteria to kind of give you a framework for your story. It's before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus, and what your life is like since you met Jesus. Before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus, what your life has been like since you met Jesus. But I actually think this now highlights a little bit what another objection might be to sharing your story. So I want to assure you that you can share your story even if you don't have a sensational testimony. When I was a teenager, the church that I attended, we would have periodically uh, the group uh, Teen Challenge would come. Teen Challenge is a faith-based organization that helps people overcome addiction. Right? And it's actually really critical that they are faith-based. And we would have these people come from Teen Challenge and they would speak at our church. And I would just be like, whoa, like you're listening to these stories and you're like, holy cow, this guy was like a drug addict, murderer, prostitute, and then he met Jesus and it totally changed his life. And as a teenager, you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish I could be a drug addict, murderer, prostitute. <laughs> And then come and meet Jesus. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and maybe for some of you, that's your story. And we praise God for that. But if that isn't your story, maybe you're sitting in a space where you say, oh, like, yeah, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really have much of a story. I wasn't a drug addict, murderer, or prostitute, so meh. So you're hesitant to share your story because you feel like you don't have one. 
But I think that betrays a little bit of a performance-based mindset, a works-based approach to the gospel. Let me unpack that a little bit. I'm going to pick on a couple of people and have them. Matt, I told you I was going to call you up here. So I'm going to have Matt come on up here. I need to illustrate this uh, right here in name of power. I can't, I can't be up here and not call you on the stage. All right. Matt, I want you to stand right here. Right there. Steve, are they in the shot? Yeah, perfect. First service, I had them standing too far away. They weren't even in the camera shot. But name of power, you're going to stand right over here. You can ask him after service why he's name of power. Is he in the shot, Steve? Yeah, perfect. All right, Matt. You have the honor today of representing God's standard. Okay. Okay, I mean, okay. no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> this is God's standard right here. God's standard. <laughs> Name of power. If you were to be a drug addict, murderer, prostitute, what do you think your drug addict, murderer, prostitute name would be? Because I don't want to actually call you like name of power and have you be a drug addict, murderer, or prostitute. Man, I don't even know. Well, you come up with something real quick. Otherwise, I'll have Lauren give you a name. Okay. I'm, give me something. Josh, how about that? <laughs> so this is Josh, a drug addict, murderer, or prostitute. I set myself up for that one. It's all right. <laughs> Name of power, brother. Name of power. <laughs> Josh is a drug addict, murderer, prostitute. But guess what? Josh comes into a relationship with Jesus. Just, I want you to go ahead and walk across the stage. Because through Jesus, Josh can now meet God's standard. Right? You guys are, your buddy up, right? You guys are, you guys are, you guys are pals. All right, go back over there for a second. Um, I, need, I need one other person. Bree, you want to come up on stage? No, you don't? Okay. Uh, just, <laughs> I was going to try. Well, because you're not, you're not a high school student that can, like, get bitter at me and, like, hate me for the rest of their. Raina? Oh, yeah, come on. Come on, Raina. You're not a drug addict, murderer, prostitute. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, you got to stand right up here. There you go. Also, your shoes untied. I don't know if you knew that or not. There you go. I don't want you to trip on your way to Jesus. <laughs> I just, I don't. Many of us might look at Josh and say, well, that is so incredible. This person overcame all of these challenges. They broke out of all of these things. And they came into a relationship with Jesus, which is the only way to meet God's standard. And we say, that is a powerful story. But maybe, maybe you're over here, right? Actually, I want you to move just a little bit closer. I want to move a little bit closer there. And we would say, you know what? Well, man, I grew up in the church. I got saved when I was 10 years old at church camp. I was never a drug addict, murderer, prostitute like Josh over there. And so then we say, well, I don't, I don't really have a story. And that's, maybe that's the space you're in this morning. And so you say, well, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really have a story to share with people. But I suggest to you this morning that to say that you don't have a story 
is a subtle denial of the gospel. We look at this and say, oh, well, this is much worse than this. So that's a story. That's, that's something powerful. That's where, man, Jesus really worked here. But the implication here is we say, oh, you know, I grew up in church. Like, I met Jesus at a young age, so Jesus didn't really have to work that hard to save me. Careful. Here's the reality. Spiritually speaking, without Jesus, there is zero difference. How much difference? Zero difference between this person and this person. Every little bit of sin separates us from God, keeps us from being able to achieve God's standard. That is the core of the gospel. That we are incapable of doing this on our own and we need Jesus. Whether you're here or here, you need just as much of Jesus. The sacrifice of Jesus was just as great for both people. So to say you don't have a story is to miss the gospel. You have a story. And you can, are called to share that story. All right, you guys can go grab a seat. Thank you. Let's give them a hand. You're one of the coolest drug axe murderer, whatever things I was saying earlier that I've ever met. Now he's an axe murderer. I don't know. Adds a little bit to the story, you know. (laughs) Romans chapter 3 says this. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. If you've come into a relationship with Jesus, you have a story. It might not be as dramatic. And again, we celebrate these people. But let's make sure that we celebrate these people just as much because Jesus did just as much for this person as he did for that person. You have a story. Before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus, since you met Jesus. Now, if you grew up in church, maybe you could, you could put a slight twist on it. And you say, hey, well, man, I got, I got saved when I was five. Well, how has your life been like since you really got serious about Jesus? I grew up in the church, but it wasn't until age 17 that I really started to grapple with this whole Jesus thing and really try to make it personal. Right? When did you become serious about following Jesus? Right? If you look into yourself, right, you've got this, you've got this insider's perspective. You know the natural inclinations of your heart. You know the things that you are drawn to. And you know that a lot of those things don't reflect a godly desire. Those fleshly desires. Those are things that required the sacrifice of Jesus just as much as people that do all these outward things. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Paul gives us kind of a a compare and contrast. He says this, starting in verse 9, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin 
or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. All of these things from things that look obvious, like, oh yeah, oh, that person is this, that's, mm, that's bad. To things that are internal, greed. Have you ever wanted more than you have? That's greed. He says, these are all things that keep us away from God. And it is only through Jesus that we come back. But I love what Paul says here. Some of you were once like that. That's the way you were before Jesus. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Since you met Jesus, you were this, but now you are this. And it is only through Jesus. In Ephesians chapter five, verses three through eight, Paul writes this to the churches in Ephesus. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. And maybe you guys are like, oh yeah, hey, I get that. I get that. Check this out though. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these, the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, full of darkness, ruled by the flesh, drawn towards everything that is against the character and nature of God. But now you have light. Light from the Lord, so live as people of light. You can share even if you don't have a sensational testimony, because let's, let's be real. The fact that Jesus came to earth and died for you, that is sensational. That is amazing. And we are the ones who benefit from that. You have a story. Now, on your seats, uh, hopefully you found a, a three-by-five index card. I want to give you some homework. And if you've been through our Next Steps experience, you actually get a, you got like a, this is like, psh, psh, easy breezy, because you've already done something like this. On that three-by-five index card, I want to encourage you to jot down as I throw mine right there at Mike. Thanks, Mike. You're, you're a good man. You're a good man. I want to encourage you to do two things. One of them in, in, involves the card. First, I want to encourage you to write long form your story. Maybe for you it's one page, maybe it's 50, maybe it's 150, I don't know. But you, you write down, record, what was your life like before Jesus? How did you come into a relationship with Jesus? And what has your life been like since you met Jesus? Write that down, type it up. And then this is for you to do the, we'll call it the elevator pitch. I think Bill Hybels coined that phrase, right? Like the elevator pitch version of your story. Right? If you had a 60 second elevator ride with somebody and you had the opportunity to share Jesus with them based on your story, how would you do that in that 60 second elevator ride? 
That's what you use the card for. So I encourage you to write both of those things down. And here's the thing. It's going to be really easy to leave it like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, that was an all right you know, message today. Eh, okay. And then you never do anything with it. But I would encourage you this afternoon, start, start chewing on this. Right? Start processing through. Man, how have I seen God work in my life? Remember those things. That's another theme throughout scripture, right? The number of times God said, hey, I am the God who did this, and I did this, and I did this. And there was this call to remember what God had done. I want to challenge you to remember what God has done in your life, the things that God has saved you from in your life and start to put your story together. And I think there's a lot of benefit here for you in doing that and, and, and for me, right, as we, as we think back on the ways we've seen God move. But remember, we do this for a purpose. And that purpose is to, as we have opportunities, to engage our one in conversation. You can share with them that way that God has worked in your life. You can say, man, like, I know what I was like before I met Jesus. I know what I was like before I, I really got serious about following Jesus. Man, I had an encounter with Jesus and it, and, it, and it changed the trajectory of my life forever. And this is the way that's been going. Now, don't, don't make it up, right? Don't try to make it flashy. It doesn't have to be dramatic, right? Don't add, like, you're not ever going to impress somebody into the kingdom of heaven. Only Holy Spirit can bring somebody into the kingdom of heaven. Right? You're not going to impress them. So don't just be raw and real. But say, this is, this is the way that I've seen God move in my life. And man, I think, you know, and again, if you've taken time to listen, you've taken time to sit down and be with this person, you know, whatever their story is like, man, I, th- I, think, I think God could do something really cool in your life as well. If you're, if you're willing so as you think back over this acronym, BLESS, beginning with prayer, listening with care, eating together, serving in love, and sharing your story, I want to challenge you with this question. What is Holy Spirit saying to you? As you reflect on these three weeks that we've talked about this, and worship team, you guys can make your way up. What is Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe for some of you, Holy Spirit is, is revealing to you who your one is. Who that person in your life is that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus is. And you're thinking, ah, oh, that's the one. I want to encourage you to go and after service, write that, write that name down. Well, hey, you don't even have to wait until after service. You can do it whenever you want to. You go write that, write that name down and put that in there. And once you have that name, you start praying for that person. You start looking for opportunities to listen, to eat with, to serve, and to share with that person. Maybe for some of you, Holy Spirit is, is, is filling you with boldness because you know who your one is. And you're thinking, you know, I, I want to be bold in sharing my story with this person. And hey, you know what the cool thing is, right? There's, there's really no pressure. We say your story, but ultimately it's not about you. Right, this isn't your story. We are, we are all like little threads within God's story. And maybe Holy Spirit is going to give you boldness to go and proclaim his story using 
your little part of it. For some of you, maybe what Holy Spirit is whispering to you is that you're kind of, you're still in that first phase. You're still in that before you met Jesus phase. And maybe Holy Spirit is saying, it's time to, it's time to move, move into that next chapter in the story. To come into that relationship with Jesus, to set aside your own attempts, right? To set aside the idea that, oh, I just, I just try to be a good person. Doesn't matter how good of a person you are. The best person is no better off than the worst person without Jesus. You lay aside your, your control. Lay aside your own ability to save yourself. And say, Jesus, you're the only one who can save me. The only one who can make me right. Bring me into this place where, where God's standards are achieved. And maybe that's your, that's your place right now. Holy Spirit is calling you into that step. I'm going to invite our prayer partners uh, to go down front to the, to the corners there. Every week we have our prayer partners down front. Now, you can, go, you can go to our prayer partners for anything. But I want to especially encourage you, if Holy Spirit is calling you to take that step, to move into that phase of how I met Jesus, transitioning into the since I met Jesus, I want to encourage you to go see our prayer partners uh, during this next song or after the service and have a conversation with them. They would love to walk alongside you as you start that next chapter. But church, we are called to reach out. We are called to go and make disciples. And I pray that as you've been given this this tool, that Holy Spirit has lit a fire in you and that you start to feel the weight of the eternity for your one and that you would do something about it. I invite you to stand and we're going to pray and then we'll close with one last song here today. Father in heaven, we thank you that you pursue us. Lord, that you chase after us. Lord, scripture says it is your desire that everyone would come into a relationship with you. And Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be part of that. Part of reaching out, part of making disciples, part of helping usher people into a relationship with you through Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to people the ways that you've worked in their life. Remind them of the things that you have done in their life. Of the things that you have saved them from. Lord, show them who their one is. Lord, give them boldness to reach out, to serve in humility. Lord, to share your story with that person. And Lord, I pray right now for the person who's, who's wrestling with starting that new chapter. Of that person saying, I can't do it. I want to accept Jesus as the only way to do it. Lord, I want to, I want to just ask that you give that person boldness here in this place today. Lord, as we seek to expand your kingdom with you, Lord, go before us. We thank you that you go with us. 
that we're not doing this alone. We do this in community with each other. We do this in community with you. And we thank you for that. And Lord, as we think, Lord, as we sing this next song, may we think of the things that you've saved us from and may we praise your name. And we ask this in your name, Lord. Amen.